Well, let's take a broad view of the Big 12 and uh, talk to our pal Ari Temkin, Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 175, also ESPNU, Channel 84, Sirius XM, doing great work every single morning on that platform. Talking Big 12, I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Of course, how you find us each and every day. Ari, we are only... Uh, not even halfway through the season, we're only a couple of games into the conference play. Uh, this has so far exceeded my expectations by a mile this year for the Big 12. How about you and just, you know, what you felt the last couple of weeks have been like in this league? Yeah, it's it's been remarkable, um, Pete. I mean, it, it really has. Um, and I think, like, the biggest surprise has been not that there's been a ton of parity. I think we, we, accept, we accepted that that was going to be the case this year. You know, but it's, I guess, the strength of the conference. You know, we talked to Bill Connolly from ESPN last week on Big 12 this morning, and, you know, he said that his metrics have the Big 12 as the second-best conference in America. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, those of us that are in the Big 12, that are fans of the Big 12, that are fans of a Big 12 team, you know, like, we, we might have known of how good this conference could end up being, but in terms of and that being validated by some of the folks that cover the sport on a national level, I think that's huge. And... You know, whereas I thought maybe before the season started that, you know, a one-loss conference champion wouldn't get in, that still might be the case, but at least based on the strength of this conference, there's a good chance that they could. And we'll see how it, it plays out the rest of the season. Obviously, Kansas, you know, being north of absolutely miserable um, is a huge reason for that. And not only are they north of miserable, they may have switched spots with Oklahoma. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not a surprise, Pete, that, that there's parity in this league. I think it's a surprise the league is this good, and, and certainly that Kansas has been as good as it's been. Well, it's really telling, Ari, that you know this is what happens when you don't have a terrible team like Kansas has been for a decade in the conference, but you also don't have, I think every Big 12 fan would admit, you don't have an Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, maybe more like uh, you know Georgia, Ohio State, based on what we've seen from Alabama this season. But I think, you know, you look at this league and you've got to say top to bottom, I've seen those advanced analytics like you have. This this league is neck and neck with the SEC. My question for you, doing a lot of national media, is do you think the college football media world will ever recognize that? Well, it's a great question. And I guess the fact that half the league is ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll this week, that Kansas did not move down, after losing to TCU, didn't move at all. I think that says a lot about where sort of the national consciousness is of the Big 12. I mean, it took Kansas a while to get in, and I think a lot of people kind of expected the Jayhawks to be ranked before they ended up getting ranked. But the fact that they then got ranked and weren't moved down at all, you know, a lot of times when a team gets ranked for the first time in a long time and then they lose the following week, that knocks them out of the top 25. But I think the AP voters are recognizing that that Kansas loss the TCU was, I mean, that, that's, that's a, you know, that's a close, that's a very close loss. It's kind of a win to a certain degree, right? It's, so I, I think the recognition that, you know, that the, the league has five teams, half the leagues in the top 25, that Kansas doesn't move down even after losing to TCU, I think that says a lot about where the AP voters are in terms of the national consciousness for the Big 12. I think there will be more metrics like Bill Connolly's that will come out that will validate the Big 12 as well. Um, but at the end of the day, Pete, like I don't know that I'm willing to say that even if the Big 12 is, is far away the second-best conference in America, that a one-loss Oklahoma State gets into a college football playoff over a undefeated and, and ACC champion Clemson. 
So even though we kind of talk about, okay, is it getting validated on a national level? Certainly, and the ratings and the rankings will do that. But I don't know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, to me, um, if, it, if it were to go to a ACC champion Clemson, and they're the fourth best conference in America, and the Big 12 is so much further and better, uh, you know, at number two, I still don't know that a one-loss Oklahoma State or a one-loss Baylor, or I guess Baylor has more than one loss, but, but, but a one-loss Oklahoma State wouldn't get in um, over an undefeated an, an ACC uh, champion Clemson. Yeah, and I just, uh, you know, not to spin the conversation too far ahead, I, I don't think we're sitting here on the first Saturday in December with a one-loss Big 12 team in the mix. I, I just think this league is True. so top-heavy, or not top-heavy, it's so, you know, even, top-to-bottom, that you probably have a pair of two-loss teams. If not, you know, I could see a 6-3 and three conference record after the tiebreakers squeezing into the Big 12 title game. I, I just think that's the kind of next, you know, month and a half we're headed for, Ari. Right. And, I mean, it the way that these games have played out so far, it's hard to disagree with you um, that we're not going to see a one-loss or even an undefeated conference champion because the teams are so evenly matched, so many factors go into winning and losing, and, you know, and, and yeah, when it comes down to an Oklahoma State or, or a Kansas State or whatever else we're looking at, it's tough to think that they're going to, you know, end up undefeated or one loss. The one thing, too, is, like, TCU has this stretch coming up right now. Like, TCU plays Oklahoma State on Saturday. That's a fantastic game, two top, two top 15 teams. And then they follow that up with K-State. Mm-hmm. And K-State has a week off in between. So Kansas State has this week off, and then they get ready. So they have two weeks to prepare for TCU. Meanwhile, TCU has Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and, you know, has Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State back-to-back-to-back. So that's just, you know – one example of, to your point, like the difficulty that goes into every one of these games for these teams, you know, who's, who's coming off the bye, who they play the previous week, you know, how did that team stress them, and, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Uh, Ari, you're a, you're a Jayhawk by trade, so I, I just want to ask you, uh, you had college game day up here. Um, I'm right here in Kansas City, as people know. You're down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but uh, game day was here in the Kansas City area, in Lawrence. Uh, you're a KU guy. Did you ever think you'd see the day where game day is coming to Lawrence for football? Never. And if I did, <laughs> it, it, if I did, it would have certainly, you know, uh, set more uh, hints or signs than what we got this year. I mean, look, I, you know, I expected Kansas to be improved this year. I didn't know if that would actually show itself in wins. I did place a bet before the season started on over two and a half wins in the season. I thought that was an easy bet, but I wasn't sure they'd get, I mean, I don't think they'd get to five. I certainly didn't think this would be a year that would be talking about bowl eligibility for Kansas. I thought they'd be better. Uh, I just didn't know that they'd be this much better. And I mean, they went from basically being an FCS level program playing in the big 12 to a credible FBS program in the top 25 seemingly overnight. I mean, when I went to KU, I graduated in 2007 and in 2008, they won the Orange Bowl, and they won the national championship in basketball. And, I mean, it was unbelievable how good they were at football, but it was fleeting. You know, the next year after that, um, they start off 5-0 and and then end up 5-7. and And Mark Mangino's out, and then begins this, you know, vortex of suckitude that Kansas has been on over the last decade. And what last only on campus in a year and a half is nothing short of remarkable. And it's look, it's it's a combination of him and what he's done, but it's also great timing, epic timing to have the right quarterback in the right spot 
with the right coaches to put together the right scheme around him. Institute of the right practices and, and culture and accountability and things that the, this team has been lacking to a large, large degree. You combine that with the fact that Brent Thierman and and Campus and and you know have him be the player that he that he is. Now, granted, they they played really well with Jason Bean, their back quarterback, in placing Jalen Daniels, who's hurt in this game. But um, I just think it's a combination of the right guy, right place, right time with the right quarterback to to sort of enable and enact what they were trying to do offensively. But um, it is, it's, it's really one of the great stories in college sports simply because nobody could have ever seen this coming, not even Lance Leipold. So, Ari, just uh, be honest, Ari Temkin, uh, Big 12 Radio, uh, doing a great job there every single morning, Sirius XM Channel 375, also ESPNU Channel 84. How concerned are you, Ari? How many sleepless nights do you have thinking about Lance Leipold uh, maybe – on a Nebraska sideline or a Wisconsin sideline? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah, you know, to not be to no longer be the laughing stock of college football, and instead to have a coach and a program that people, you know, recognize and want. Um, look, I mean, I I don't know how KU can compete with a Wisconsin if Wisconsin wants to hire Lance Leipold as the next head coach. He's from there. He's he went to school at Whitewater. He's you know, he, he coached at Whitewater. He coached uh, as an assistant at, Wa- at Wisconsin. I mean, it's a top-flight program. Um, they've got incredible tradition, and, and they're in the Big Ten. And we know what kind of money is open to teams of the Big Ten. So, like, I just don't know that there's anything that Kansas can compete with. You get Big Ten money, and this is, of course, historically, you know, where he's grown up and where he's been. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of things. Number one, again, it, it's way better to be in this spot with hoping you don't lose your coach, then why can't we fire this coach and hire the next coach, which is where Kansas has been for the last decade? You know, again, the vortex of suckitude. So, I, you know, I think like a lot of people have asked me about this, and they're like, oh, well, they're never going to keep Leipold. And it's like, okay, I mean, sure. I, number one, I have a ton of confidence in Travis Goff, the athletic director of Kansas, who's just done an incredible job in a short period of time in terms of, you know, all the things that have been on his plate, everything outside of the program – that's been on his plate in terms of NIL and the transfer portal and all these changes that are forthcoming conference realignment, all these things happening outside the program and then inside you need a new football, uh, football stadium, you need new facilities. He's just handled everything so well that I have confidence that if Lance Leipold did leave, he would know who would be the right coach to hire after that, which is not something that his predecessors were very good at prior to him. I do have a lot of confidence in Travis Goff as an athletic director to hire the next really good coach. With that being said, you know, I, I do think there's a priority for these coaches to be lockstep with the administration. And that means in terms of understanding what are our facilities going to look like over the next five years? What are our stadiums going to look like for the next five years? What's the money? What are the resources I have? And, and for all intents and purposes, it appears as though, you know, Lance Leipold and Travis Goff are very much in lockstep and connected and, and have the same goals and want the same thing. So, you know, I don't know that he would have that at Wisconsin much in the same way he has it here. I don't know that he'd have that at Nebraska much in the same way that he has it there. I think that's why Matt Campbell stayed at Iowa State as long as he had, has. I think it's why uh, Dave Aranda staying at Baylor. I think it's why a lot of these coaches stay at certain places. Uh, but again, um, I, I just don't know from a package standpoint, a resources standpoint, if, you know, if Kansas can match Wisconsin, certainly what Wisconsin can offer. All right, Ari, uh, when you look at the Oklahoma Sooners, the other end of the conference, talk about the top end with Kansas and the bottom end with Oklahoma. 
Uh, 0-3 in Big 12 play. No Big 12 or no Oklahoma coach has ever lost three straight games, three straight conference games to start his tenure. Uh, how concerned should OU fans be about Brent Venables? Is this just the natural process he has to go through with this team? Or is there cause for more legitimate concern? Yeah, I mean, it's it's real bad. Um, I don't know that anybody, I mean, as, as good as Kansas has been and surprising as that is, this is as surprising on the other end of the spectrum for Oklahoma. You know, I think after three games, they looked pretty good. Now, they hadn't played anybody, but still, even holding that Nebraska offense in check in that third week looked pretty impressive. And now they've come out in conference play and looked beyond atrocious, uh, especially with their run defense. I've never seen a run defense this bad, and I watched Texas's run defense last year. Um, Oklahoma has given up over 300 yards rushing on average over the last three games. They're giving up an average of over seven yards per carry over the last three games, and they give up an average of four rushing touchdowns per game over the last three games. It's unbelievably bad, and that's the concern I have over Brent Venables. This is what he does. This is what he knows. Now, granted, he has completely shifted around the schematics of this defense. We can argue on whether or not that was the right move, um, and, and, and should he have done that? I know, you know we heard a lot, of, a lot coming out from Oklahoma before the season started, and this is one of those things that should have stood out to me more negatively, but a lot of this, we're going to be multiple with our defensive fronts talk, which is something that I used to cover the Cowboys here for the Dallas Cowboys radio network, and I remember years ago when they hired Mike Nolan, we heard the same thing. It was the year one of Mike McCarthy, and we heard the same thing with Mike Nolan saying, we're going to be multiple on our defensive fronts. We're going to run you know, a 3-4, and we're going to run a 4-3, which – you just don't have the personnel to do both. Yeah. You're either going to have, you know, legitimate edge rushers that are defensive ends. You're going to have, you know, a little bit smaller linebackers that serve as outside linebackers in, in more of that, that three, four. So, you know, that was what the Cowboys wanted to do under Mike Nolan in year one. He ends up getting fired after year one. We heard Oklahoma say the same thing. We want to be multiple in our fronts. I don't think they had the personnel to run the fronts that they've wanted to run. It's been really, really bad. Um, maybe Brent, Brent Venables shouldn't have lifted the Band-Aid off completely. Maybe he should have you know, done kind of a hybrid of what they had been doing until his personnel were in. But he decided to go full in, and this is, this is what it is now. And, look, I'll say, should I have a ton of confidence in my Jayhawks going to win in Norman? Absolutely I should, even with Jalen Daniels potentially not playing. I can't believe that Kansas is still a touchdown underdog here. I don't know that Vegas has caught up with, one, how bad Oklahoma is, and two, how good Kansas is. But I certainly like Kansas against the spread in this game against Oklahoma, especially given, even without Jalen Daniels, how good the Kansas rushing attack has been and will be against an Oklahoma defense that in three games has shown no ability whatsoever to stop the run in any capacity. All right, Ari, who do you think right now? I mean, I'm not going to hold you to it by the end of the season, but who right now is the best team in the Big 12 Conference? Well, we're going to find out Saturday because the two teams that you could certainly argue are are TCU and Oklahoma State. And look, if, if I'm being honest, I'd probably go TCU right now, just given you know Max Duggan is playing at a level we haven't seen him capable of before. Uh, he's not turned the football over like he has in the past. They have three of the best weapons in the entire Big 12 in Quentin Johnston, who I'd argue is the best receiver in the Big 12 right now. Uh, Tay Barber and Darius Davis, plus their running game, Kendra Miller and, and DiMarcado, uh, and then the players they have on defense. They've got a couple of Sunday players on defense as well. So I, I just I go TC right now. Look, Oklahoma State's really good, and, and from a program um, and consistency standpoint, I mean, they've won 19 of their last 21 games. 
mean, this is as elite of a college football program as there is. And I think people would recognize that a little bit more if there was no state on their jerseys. Uh, but there is, and that's what it is. So um, Oklahoma State is as good as anybody in this conference, should be a favorite in this conference. It's an elite f- college football program and has been under Mike Gundy. Um, I just I thought Spencer Sanders played probably his, his worst game of the season this past week, which doesn't say a lot because it was still a great game. It still led to a victory, and he was really grooved with his legs. I thought he got away with some throws that could have been intercepted and probably should have been by Tech. Um, but he made the plays with his legs when he needed to. Uh, but right now I give the, sh- the the small nod to TCU, but they both play on Saturday, so it'll be a fun one. Last thing, Ari, what is and who is the team that we haven't talked about yet? We haven't really touched on Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State. Uh, we've talked about the Oklahoma schools, haven't touched much on TCU, Texas Tech, Texas, West Virginia. What's the team we haven't talked about that either way, good or bad, has been the biggest surprise for you? It's a good one. Um, we can go in a bunch of directions, but how about Texas? We haven't mentioned Texas yet. They're certainly in the, the conversation here for a Big 12 championship. Um, you can also argue they have the best quarterback in the conference right now. And Quinn Ewers, we don't know a ton about him, but he played really well before getting hurt in Alabama. He played really well uh, in Red River against Oklahoma. He, I mean, he looks as legit as the expectations were for him coming into this season and coming into his college career. I mean, he was one of the highest-rated quarterbacks ever uh, via the rivals and, and 247 rankings. And, you know, so far in a small sample, he's, he's showing it. And look, I mean, anytime you've got that level of a quarterback, you, know, you can make up for some issues you might have anywhere else. And so in a league that has, you know, really good offenses, a lot of differing sort of schemes, good quarterbacks, where we talk about Max Duggan and, and Spencer Sanders being kind of in the Heisman race right now, um, you know, Quinn Ewers might be the very best of the Big 12 quarterbacks. So that's why you should always keep an eye on, on Texas. Um, and then K-State, I mean, you mentioned it. We're not really talking about K-State. They're certainly in the driver's seat and position to win a Big 12 championship as well. Um, I just I don't know that they play TCU that they can keep up with TCU. And that's the biggest thing is we've seen Adrian Martinez play well, but if you're playing, up, if you're playing a team like a TCU or you know, a team that could really you know, score a ton of points and, and get the game moving at a different pace, I mean, Texas Tech ran 104 plays against Oklahoma State on Saturday. 104! 104 plays. Mm-hmm. They ran more passing plays than Kansas ran plays in their in their game, and Kansas scored 31 points. So, you know, when, when K-State plays a team like a Tech that wants to play really fast, when K-State plays a team, you know, like a TCU that has, you know, really explosive offense, can they hang? Can they keep up? That's the biggest thing that remains to be seen with K-State. We will be watching and we'll be listening to Ari Temkin every single morning, uh, Big 12 Radio Doing great work there on Channel 375. Ari, uh, good to have you on the show as always, my man. Thank you for being here. Now, Pete, uh, thank you to you and to what you do. And, you know, I'm, I, I, home, uh, Heartland College Sports is on my homepage, and so I'm constantly checking out the writing, the podcast, the great work that you guys do. So thank you for your incredible work and commitment to, to covering this conference. You do as good a job as anybody, man. Thank you. You bet. Thank you very much for the kind words, Ari. Appreciate it. Ari Temkin doing great work on SiriusXM, Big 12 Radio. Hey, uh, podcast listeners, subscribe, rate, review. Appreciate you doing that. That's how you get free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. When you leave that rating and review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. I always get the message, Pete, it, it, it does it really matter? Yes, it matters. If you search Big 12 Podcasts on iTunes, we're number one. We're beating CBS and ESPN and, and all the big dogs because of you. 
because we've got the ratings, reviews, the subscriptions. That stuff matters when iTunes puts together these rankings. So it makes a difference, and that's why I'm making it worth your time with the little koozie as a way to say thank you and keep the beer cold at the tailgate. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.